Hello and welcome to Hollywood Haymaker, our fourth episode. I am Dustin Dubuque. And I'm John Hansen. And we are here to talk all things movies and a lot of Marvel yeah. and some other things. We're very eclectic. That's what I've learned. When we were texting the other night, I'm like, we're an eclectic podcast. We don't, uh, we don't need to be anything spe- specific. Well, I think the main idea is good movies. Yes. That's what we want to talk about. Good movies across the board. Exactly. So, speaking of good movies and the atypical... Uh, movie news that I uh, watched a little bit and uh, was kind of reading about is reboots, which isn't new. Right. And that's the reason why we've, again, we, we talk like this. But there's already three reboots that are, well, two reboots and one that's getting another sequel, and I'm sure you've seen, mm-hmm. um, that are just frustrating at this point. So Shrek, they're making Shrek 5. Of course. But it's a reboot of Shrek. Why not just make Shrek 5? Is... Is uh, Mike Myers doing the voice? I think Mike Myers, but I don't. But Eddie Murphy's not. How is it a reboot? They're going to reboot the whole franchise. How? Like, I don't know. In what That's, way is it a well, reboot? it's an early, early announcement. They just pretty much said like they're starting over. All right. Well, I don't. Why? I don't That's my question, John. This is this is why we have complained. I need to know why. Why not make just Shrek Five? Just make another one. But they're not making a fifth one. It's it's a reboot of the franchise. Does Shrek need to be rebooted? Why? I'm trying to think. What are some other animated films that have been rebooted? Oh. Um, I mean, I guess it depends. I don't know. Not really any. Uh, you don't think any franchise have been necessarily rebooted because an animated franchise didn't even start happening until relatively recently. You know, like Cars, Finding Nemo, and Dory. I guess if that even counts, even though there's only two of them. Toy like, Story, yeah. but that's the other one I was going to bring up. Toy Story 4 has got announced. I'm just trying to picture what a reboot of, of Shrek would even look like. Well, that's I, it. I assume it's still animated. Right. I assume the character would... They're probably going to use the same character model. You would think so. They're not going to Because it's change. a pretty like iconic character model now. And it's Mike Myers doing the voice. I think so, from what I know. But the only thing I heard other than it was a reboot is uh, that Eddie Murphy wasn't, uh, wasn't going to be uh, a part of it. Which, so, uh, who's surprised? Okay. So, but that's interesting to me. Well, it sounds to me like it is Shrek 5. They're just not going to call it Shrek 5. They're going to maybe come up with a new storyline or a new direction to go with the character. Right, I'm sure. And they're doing the same thing with Child's Play, too. Instead of continuing the story arc, they're rebooting that. They already did try to reboot that when they did. And they're doing it again. They did that. Because wasn't that was the whole Bride of Chucky point, was a, kind of a reboot of that. Well... Kind of. Bride of Chucky was kind of a new direction for the franchise, but it was also a bit of a sequel. Because they, the character was all scarred up in that one, like right. which was the New which Jersey. was the end of that, yeah, the one before, like quite yeah. a few years before that. Yeah, so it was kind of a soft reboot, I guess. But they did one after that, though. They did, um, I think it was called Curse of Chucky. Was it Curse? Wasn't Seed of Chucky? Well, Seed of Chucky was, was that the follow up. Was the follow up to Bride? Right? To Bride of Chucky? Because that was a kid. That's where they had a kid. That was a horrible film. I don't think I watched it. Well, good for you. <laughs> um, I mean, no offense of, of like the horror. Of the horror icons out there, the fact that Chucky is even one of them is pretty ridiculous. Well, I like Chucky. The, I like Chucky, and I actually liked Bride of Chucky quite a bit. I think that's because my it was dumb. 
I mean, that's it's the a point. Fun, it's a fun movie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it finally didn't take itself, like, seriously. Like, right. the first couple movies did. That was also the 80s, which was a different time of horror. But... Well, and that's... Um, I think it was called Curse of Chucky, the, the, the reboot they did, which came after Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky. Did you see that one? I don't think so. You remember that I one? do not remember it. Yeah, it, it was supposed to be kind of a return to the roots for the character, and... It was just bad. Uh, <laughs> I remember laughing at the whole, the whole like opening sequence. Basically, they're up in this mansion, and um, they're having like a dinner party, and this this box comes in the mail, and they open it. And it's Chucky doll, you know. And one of the characters at the dinner table keeps looking at the doll, and he's like, "I, I, I think I remember something about that doll. It looks familiar to me." You don't think you would remember? You think you think a doll's coming to life <laughs> like and murdering, murdering people, people would would yeah, leave an impression? It'd be a it'd be a pretty popular story, he, maybe. He had a vague recollection <laughs> of the doll. There's a little foreshadow where he's just like, "Where do I know that doll from? Was it the hot holiday seller last year, or was <laughs> right. it, the, or was it the one that murdered people? Oh yeah, was it the one that uh, Sinbad and Schwarzenegger were going for in that one movie? Really? Come oh, on. remember that? <laughs> come on, Jingle All the Way. No, that's not Jingle All the Way. Yeah, yeah, Jingle yeah. All, yeah. Come on, get that. That's a good reference. Dang it, Sinbad. Remember him? <laughs> but yeah, so I just thought it was funny that because of course, I mean, it's like, and always the response I hear is, "Well, it's a new generation, so it's easy that way." Mm-hmm. Come on, that's not a good idea in any way. Like, like that's not the way to go about it. That's what frustrates me. Well, uh, child's play, new generation. What? That's your that's your whole reasoning to try to make money off this thing. I think people will rent those old movies. I do too. People aren't. It's not like people are, have never heard of Chucky. Uh, right. I mean, let's look at let's look at Halloween costumes. I bet you, if you go to a bar every single Halloween, you can probably find a Chucky. Yeah. No matter what age they are, because yeah. it's so iconic. Maybe that's why they're using. Maybe that's the point. It's still iconic, still has name value. You can still make money off of it. Well, that's that's what it is. It's, it's somebody owns the rights to it, and they want to they want to do something with it. They want to make money. So right. let's make a new one. Right. Is it going to be a sequel? Is it going to be a prequel? Is it going to be a remake? But we want to make something because that's what we do. Yeah, exactly. It's not that that's we have problem. a good idea. It's we want to make something. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny. Uh, so segueing to Toy Story four, which was not. It's not surprising because you know that was you watched Toy Story three, right? Oh yeah. So you know that the the ending was the point was that you know the franchise was supposed to be done, and they did say that when the movie came out. This is it. When nobody believes that anymore. Nothing's ever. No, yeah. nothing's ever. <laughs> so it was funny. I thought I saw a great tweet when I was on Twitter the other day about. Uh, so when I saw the trailer got announced for Toy Story four, it was uh it was like started the tweet was like, Toy Story three is done. Uh, don't make another one. Me. Oh my gosh. A trailer for Toy Story 4. I don't want it. Watch this trailer. Yes. Can't freaking wait. <laughs> and I didn't watch it because I don't need to watch it because I get it. And I'm going to watch it anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's just that that just adds to the funniness to me. Of I remember when that was the marketing scheme of Toy Story 3 was this is it. We're going to heartstring the crap out of you at the end. We're done. Oh, lo and behold, nine years later. We need it one more time. Right. It's like when bands do their farewell tour, then they do like three more tours. Yep. I saw 
I saw Ozzy Osbourne's in Minneapolis. Right. No More Tours Tour Part Two. Part Two. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Come on, what are you doing? Part Two of Five. Part Two of Five. Like, how long are we gonna do this? But yeah, I, it, I mean, as long as you can get Tim Allen and uh, Tom Hanks back, it yeah. doesn't really matter. Right. But you know, I don't know. It's funny to me. Those are like really the main things that were this this week. Then the other one, again, we, we neither of us saw Venom. You didn't see Venom, no. Um, so it's 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 hard for us to say anything um, until Venom comes out on DVD because I'm sure I'll watch it then. But it did beat Justice League, just past Justice League in uh, box office revenue. So well, that's a big deal for people. Didn't like Justice League, though. People didn't like Venom really either. I mean, yeah. people really didn't like Justice League, right? But it's just funny, and I think Venom, if I'm right, internationally just passed Solo, not domestically well, though. It probably deserves to. Yeah. Oh, solo. I didn't care for. I was fine on it. I didn't it was care. Okay. I mean, they were they're really milking the Star Wars franchise now. Of course they are. I heard they canceled a couple of them though, which is probably for the best. Well, at least take some time off here, especially right. if you have Part Nine coming out. Just go with that. Mm-hmm. You're going to make money off that one, no matter what. Why not make that one better than pumping out a Boba Fett movie that nobody needs ever? Yeah. That's another one that I'm going to file under losing mystique for character. Right. Yeah. Going back to what we talked about last yeah. week was, is do you, don't, you, you, you don't, don't need want, this. Yeah. You don't want. To, That's the whole reason why Boba Fett is famous. Right. Less is, is more. Cause less is more for him. That right. you want to talk about less is more. Yeah. That character is iconic mm-hmm. for almost nothing mm-hmm. besides that you don't know. And he's has a cool costume. Right. Why? Who wants that? But yeah, no, I thought that was interesting just because of DC and all that stuff because of uh, that. But the big news yesterday was uh, the passing of your legend, I'm sure, mm-hmm. was Stanley. So this is going to be a this gonna be a very John heavy episode because I got the comic book guy here and the um, superhero guy. Yeah. So um, uh, we'll, we'll get your thoughts first. I mean, you you can't be. I mean, it's like 95, and we all know the last couple of years he's been rough. Yeah. Yeah, he did live a full a full life. It was still sad, though. You know, um, uh, you know, I knew he would die someday. I just didn't know that it would be. It's it it's still tough when <clears throat> when you hear about when you hear about it. And it's you know it's a for sure thing. It's it was sad. It was sad. Um, anyone who's read a Marvel comic knows who Stanley is. Um, you know, he created a lot of those characters: Spider Man, Hulk. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, Fantastic Four, Daredevil. Um, he created or co-created um, most of the Marvel universe, and he's just—he's uh, a legend to all of us that uh, read Marvel comics. And I—I <clears throat> I grew up reading comics and watching all the cartoons. And <clears throat> uh, I remember um, Stan Lee would always do a little intro in front of the Fantastic Four and Iron Man cartoons. Uh, during the Marvel Action Hour, so I got familiar with who he was at even just a young age, and um, I got to meet him a couple of times. He he used to make a lot of appearances at uh, at conventions and things. He was yeah, he was never shy. Yeah, he was pretty accessible. He, he liked it. Um, but I I also was an extra in the the first Spider Man movie, the one with Tobey Maguire, and um, Stan Lee was down there one day to film his his cameo, and. Um, which is it even in the movie, or did they cut it? You know, it's been out, you know how long it's been since I've watched the first Spider-Man. Oh, 
I haven't seen that since I was in like middle school, so I wouldn't be able to help you with that. I can look it up while you keep look talking. Look it up. I want to say that because people are going to think I'm making stuff up. They're going to say he didn't have a cameo in that movie. I think it might have been cut from the movie. But uh, he was down there on set to film a cameo. Um, it was at the World Unity Festival, and he was supposed to be selling sunglasses or something. And um, I think he had some X-Men sunglasses that looked like Cyclops' visor or something like that. I don't remember exactly. It was a long time ago. But um, but he was there, and I remember, um, I remember at lunchtime, he was sitting there by himself, and me and me and some of the guys that I was working with that day, we were like, "Oh my God, it's Stan Lee!" You know, and uh, we were like, "We should go, we should go, like uh, sit by him," you know. But we were all like too, too, like too shy and too nervous. But um, he was just sitting there by himself eating lunch, and uh, I kind of regret not going over and having a seat. And I think he would have. He seemed like a, a pretty inviting guy, you know. So, yeah, when Spider-Man from 2002, mm-hmm. as Spidey and, um, as Spidey and Green Goblin face off for the first time in the film, Stan is part of the crowd that's being caught up in the in the fight. So okay. when they cut to the crowd. There's a screenshot I'm looking at where like the crowd's like, oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, I think they had a so bigger... it's a very light cameo in that one. Yeah, what it was was they filmed something bigger and then they they cut that and then they yeah they here it is. Up. So, uh, this is the cut. As the debris falls during a battle, Stan pulls a young girl to safety. In the DVD extras, he appears in a deleted scene as a street vendor selling Peter Parker a pair of sunglasses. Yeah, he says, hey, kid, would you like to pair these sunglasses? That's his quote. Yeah. So, that's cut from the DVD. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, it's on the DVD as a deleted So, quick trivia. Just because I have you. First cameo he ever had. The first cameo he ever had? Um, I'm guessing... I'm just going to guess and say it was on the Incredible Hulk TV show. Yep. Was it? Trial of Incredible Hulk? Is that different? That's a movie. I'll give you close enough anyway because the fact that you even guessed it was, that. Yeah. It was 1989's Trial of Incredible Hulk. Yeah, it was like a made-for-TV movie with uh, with uh, Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. You know, okay. Pretty much an right. extension of the Trial of Incredible Hulk. Okay. Well, show. I'll give you it just because of the fact that you got the right superhero. All so right. Good enough. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, so, um, you know... Um, just a legend to all of us that uh, that ever grew up with Marvel and right. all of his characters. So. Right. Well, and re legend himself with the cameos in the last ten years too. Yeah. I mean, I'll open it. You know, I didn't grow up with comics. I just didn't. Um, so I have no affection towards Stanley at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I get it. You know, he's one of the people that people understand who he is, and I, you know, what he did is uh, is awesome, and that's great. Um, but I would know him. Besides just knowing him in general without the cameos. Right. So, but them cameos, man, made him re-famous. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether it's what he should be known for or not, there's a lot of people, probably young people, that are going to only know him. They're going to know he was a comic book creator, but they're going to know him as the old guy who showed up in the cameos. Right. Which is great, either way. I mean, if 85, <laughs> you've already done what you need to do. Why not 90, just show up once 95. in a while? Well, I mean, like, when oh, he really oh, started, he started to pick up. Him. Yeah. I mean, he, he did a few before that, but we all know Marvel didn't pick up until last decade or two. Right. Um, but, yeah. So, that's just funny. But, yeah. I figured yeah, I, John was the first person I texted when I saw it, because I, I know that he's probably a little more affectionate than most people. But Yeah, it was, it was sad deal. news. Yeah. But again, not out of left field because, you know, of his age. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I do know that his, I, I think I was just listening to a podcast, uh, tell him Steve Dave, and they saw him at a con about six months ago. Mm-hmm. And they said it was, wasn't great. Yeah. yeah. They even mentioned, they were like, it just looked like he was just sitting there 
doing nothing. They were surprised that he was actually at the con because he just seemed old, but 95 it just shows his dedication to the fans and how much he enjoyed what he did. Right. Yeah. One autograph's not really going to be worth that much because he signed a ton of them, <laughs> which is it'll good. Be, it'll no, always good be for worth him. something to yeah. the people that have them. Exactly. Though, so. Yeah. No, it's good. I'm glad that uh, he did so because we have uh, John here. And I mean, we don't have a Marvel movie to talk about really until Captain Marvel, right? That'll yeah. That be the first big one. So. We're going to be an odd movie podcast that doesn't talk about Marvel as much as usual, which is great news for me. Um, but since this happened, we kind of switched up the episode. We were going to do some other stuff. We're going to push some of that till next week. Um, but you wanted to share your top 10 Marvel movies. Yeah, I thought I would. And uh, I'm excited. I didn't make a list because I'm not going to lie to you. I probably uh, I could make 10, but I don't know if i would like all 10 enough to say that i but i think there's five there's five marvel movies that i probably really really super enjoyed so well i'll share my top we're gonna 10 we're gonna and, listen uh, or do you have them in order or are they just random i got them i i did my best to put them in order i mean it's hard to put them in a real specific order because you know there's some of them are different different genres and it's it's hard to you know Sure, but I I'm gonna f- to the best of my ability I put them. I feel like if we're gonna do this, you should be forced to put them in order. Well, they're, at least your top three. No, they're they're okay, in order. They are in order they're for in, sure. They're okay. in order. I'm gonna. I'm gonna but go. are, but it, but lists are ever changing too. Whenever people's like that's what I mean. I always love it when people because I'm a big list guy, especially when it comes to movies because it's kind of a movie thing. Um, when people when I make a list, like that's doesn't mean this has to stay this way. Right. Like that's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, I switch. I I, I switch. I actually we were talking about. Just recently, John and I were talking about the best movies from last year, and I sent him my uh, top ten list. Mm-hmm. And actually, before I sent you that list, I changed it <laughs> because I just re-looked at it. It was the first time I looked at it, and you know, yeah. probably a couple three months. And I was like, "Well, this is just how my brain has changed." I'm like, I yeah. like sat there and looked at him for a bit. I'm like, "What do I remember? What do, do I still think about? What do I care about?" And I completely switched like three of them. Sure. And I'm like, "That's just how it is." So. Well, we'll is, know that going forward. Yeah, this is this is to the best of my ability my top ten Marvel films in order, and I'm going to start with number ten. Okay. And um, I know this one is is kind of um, criticized by a lot of people, but I really enjoyed the first uh, Fantastic Four film, not the not the Roger Corman one that was unreleased, but the one with uh, Jessica Alba. Oh yeah, and Michael Chiklis, the first one. It's been a long time. Yeah, um, I think I saw it in the theater. What I really enjoyed about that one was I enjoyed how they depicted the Fantastic Four as basically ordinary people that happened to get these powers. And you saw them doing things like there's a, there's a shot where Johnny Storm is using his, his flame to pop popcorn in his hand. And just little human things like that. Like, and it, You know, if you had superpowers, you wouldn't just use them to fight crime. You would use them around the house. Yeah, of things. course. Yeah, yeah, I think they showed Reed Richards kind of stretching out and doing, you know, working in his lab, and he was kind of across the room with his because he could stretch out and stuff like that. So, just little human things like that that kind of. Yeah, if I was a superhero, I wouldn't get off the couch. (laughs) Like if I could, like have if I could just it would. I mean, I get off the couch (laughs) to fight crime. That would be it. I would just, I would just, oh okay, and I would just bring whatever the bat symbol shining out the window. You're like, I'll get there. Uh, Yeah, right. Like. I have, I have, I have, I'm halfway through dinner. <laughs> like, I don't know. So, yeah. So I, I enjoyed Whatever. the, the first fantastic. Good. I, I, it's good. You should, 
And that's, and again, when, and again, going back to the list too, number 10 spot on a list is always meant for the fun one. That's yeah. how I always look at them too. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I made this list, it'd be what movie that I know is not probably the best, the greatest, that's the spot for my, the one I like, mm-hmm. and that's fun. So yeah. good job on that one. Uh, number nine, I'm going to say Black Panther. Sure. I thought it was really solid. Um, it was a character that I really wasn't too familiar with because I hadn't really read a lot of the Black Panther comics, but we got a little little teaser of him in the Civil War movie, and I thought he looked really cool. Yeah, I liked him in Civil War. <clears throat> yeah, so I was really excited to see this movie, and we got introduced to Wakanda and a lot of cool new characters. And Michael B. Jordan, cool. Yes. Such a cool villain, yeah. finally. Very good villain. I like when you can kind of understand the, the villain's motivations. Yeah. You know? It's That's like great, they say that cool. uh, they say uh, everyone's the hero of their own story. Right. And I think he, he did a good job depicting that. And just a really fun movie. Some good action scenes. The I like the Black Panthers costume. And the, yeah, I do too. The only the only um, have you rewatched it since? Have you watched it? Uh, no. See, I need to. I, my goal is to watch it before the end of the year because um, when I make my end of the year list, um, I do want to rewatch. Uh, the only hiccup I always have, and this is just a superhero movie hiccup I have, is when they fight themselves pretty much at the end. Like when it's like a Black Panther versus, if not pretty much Black Panther. Right. Or like the first Iron Man. It was Iron Man versus bigger Iron Man. Right. That is my least favorite trope. I just, every time that's the sequence, I'm like, mm, done. No, <laughs> I'm done. So I did, that really was like, ugh. But the other scene that was going on up on Wakanda made up for that. It was fine. That's my only gripe. But that's just a superhero. And I get it. I get the point of it. That's just... Feels boring. Yeah, I, I liked it. It's fine, but no, the rest of the rest of it's great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for number eight, I'm gonna go with the Incredible Hulk, the one with Ed Norton. Is that the Ed Norton one? Yeah. By far the best one. I Even though so. I like Ruffalo mm-hmm. as Bruce Banner. Yes. Because I love Mark Ruffalo. I love yeah. Ed Norton too. But I love Mark Ruffalo. But then, but his Hulk is fine. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is a great. Bruce Banner. I like he's how they put a little silver in his hair too. Love it. Ruffalo's um, and Ruffalo's like a good looking older guy, and he plays the he's good looking while still playing the nerd. Where Edward Norton, it's tough to take Edward Norton as kind of a goofy nerd because mm-hmm. you know I watch him in American History X, and I'm now scarred for life of ever not seeing him as a bald neo Nazi. But it's just hard. but other than that, it is by far the best one. Yeah, the, but it's the one everyone hates. Oh no! The, the one everyone well, hates the, is the, 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 the Eric Bana, the one. Eric Bana one. Okay, yeah, but people so, just ignore that existed. For, well, you should. You should. Yeah, first they came out with the one with Eric Bana, and it was basically a, a cartoon. It was just That's horrible. It was bad, and then but then they followed that up with um, basically a, a reboot called The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton, and I thought they did a great job of capturing what the Hulk is. I mean, you really felt like he was this rampaging monster and the destruction and everything that he was causing it all felt very real it was this like military movie versus a monster and it just felt it felt much more grounded in reality than um the way hulk was depicted in in the the eric banna version right so i really liked it i thought i thought they did just an awesome job of capturing what the hulk is all about yeah i thought so too yeah yeah it's too bad ed orton didn't like it as much but that's fine yeah well, that's all right. Well, then we got Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I love Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, he's, he's good. exciting. Yeah, he's real good. Um, number seven is going to be, for me, Captain America Winter Soldier. Yes. Um, yes. That movie, the way the, the action 
is depicted in that movie, it's you forget you're watching a comic book movie. It felt almost to me almost like another entry in the Bourne identity franchise. It was just you know the car chases and the the shootouts and everything just felt very very real, very kind of militaristic. And yeah, it is definitely yeah. If I were to make a top five list, it'd probably be like number five on my list for Winter Soldier because mm-hmm. it is probably the least comic book feeling movie because yeah. it is feel it feels so warlike and yeah. real. You know, and that probably goes to Captain America in general. You know, he. He's he's kind of minimal when it comes to what he does and what he you know who he is. Like when it comes to like his powers, he's not shooting stuff all over the place. He's not flying. I mean, he flies, mm-hmm. but he's not like bouncing all over the. He's a guy with a shield who can fist fight, and it feels a little more grounded. Yeah. Which is why I always like Captain America. Do and I don't. Do you have? And just because this is your list, so I just want to hear. I just have questions. Did it feel better? Because it followed the first one that that was kind of like mediocre, and I think everybody kind of agrees. Well, that. the first one did a good job telling its origin, but if but it was fine. It was like yeah, it, it, it's like one of them. That's one of the movies that's like in that middle ground of Marvel movies, where like when people talk about Marvel, they don't talk about the first Captain America because they it just kind of is it's just kind of there. Well, if you've read the comics and you're familiar with the character, then you know his origin. So. Watching the movie, it didn't really, it didn't really add anything. Right. Well, me. and I don't know his origin, and I still was like, I didn't think his origin was interesting enough. Um, I thought that, I thought they did a good job telling his origin, but it just to me it felt like a story I I already kind of knew. Sure. But um, no, I think it's a solid movie. It's just it for me, it just didn't add anything because I already knew the character. Right. But does that being kind of blah make Winter Soldier better? Does that help? I think. Um, whether or not they had made the first one, I, I think the second one would still be up, up Oh, there. good. Like, yeah. yeah. I just wonder if that helps. No, I don't, so? I don't really look at it like that. I think so. But that's okay. No, I just thought Winter Soldiers. It's great. On its own. It's very good. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, for number six, I'm going to say X-Men First Class. Okay. I can't keep X-Men straight. So I liked... I believe... Okay, which one is First Class? Sorry not to interrupt. But so, so, um... Brian Singer did the first two. Which were? Just X-Men and Oh, that was X-Men, X-Men and X-2. Okay. And then they did X-Men Last Stand. Right. Yep. And that was directed by, um, what's his name from the Rush Hour? Brett, was it Brett Ratner? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think Brett Ratner did yeah, the did third one. And then they did this kind of kind of like a reboot. It was X-Men Wasn't First it? Class. Okay, that was first with the kid, with like when they were young, right? Is that that one? Or yeah. is that Days of Future Past? Days of Future Past followed X-Men First Class. Okay. X-Men First Class was kind of a Magneto story. They kind of showed... Yeah, okay. Um, they, they really showed um, where his motivations were coming from. It's the one where they, they brought in um, a new actor to play Professor X. It wasn't uh, Patrick Stewart. It was... Oh, what's his name? I uh, can't think of his name right we'll now. Look it up. They, he, had a, he had a full head of hair and everything. Um, but they also brought in uh, Jennifer Lawrence as uh, the younger version of Mystique instead of uh, Rebecca Romaine. Oh, yeah, that's version. right. It was Jennifer Lawrence's one. Yeah, so it was it was a new cast, and it was kind of a reboot, kind of a prequel. Um, but for me, that movie really did a great job of capturing what the X-Men were all about. Um, in my opinion, you really don't need any other X-Men movies, but that's just how I feel. I mean, I don't need any other X-Men movies ever, but cause I've, uh, 
and this is just coming from a, again a person with no connection to these. I've never thought any of the X Men were all that interesting. I actually like Days of Future Past. I remember that's the one I kind of enjoyed. Um, Did you see First Class? I, I've seen them all. Okay. Um, and again, it's I, it, it, they fall into that line of movies that are fine, and I just kind of go with it, and it's fine. It's no big deal to me. I didn't watch the latest was Apocalypse or whatever. Yeah, I didn't need to. I was done. I like that one. Yeah. It had some good action. I was pretty done with it. I mean, I remember liking those two. I remember liking First Class and Days of Future Past. Yeah. I liked them. They were definitely the two I enjoyed the most. Yeah. Is there one in between? There's one more in between there, right? Uh, no. Okay. It should have just been those two and then okay. Apocalypse. Okay. And now they're going to be doing Dark Phoenix. There's been some right. like offshoot movies, like the Wolverine movies and stuff. Right, but, right. Okay. But, That's all I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... <laughs> And for number five, I've got uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie. I thought the humor was great in it. Yeah, it's fun. Um, the guy they got playing... Um, Spidey? Spider-Man... Tom, was it Tom... No, Tom Holland? Yep. Uh, I thought he was great, uh, but just the movie as a whole, just the humor. Um, I got a big kick out of his his sidekick friend. Yeah, no, that's that's one of my favorite parts about the Spider... His, uh, his whole friend group. Yeah. Great, diverse, fun. Feels like real kids without being like ridiculous real kids. You know, sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes it's st- tough to stomach kids in big budget movies because you're like, this isn't real. Like, this isn't how kids are. Those kids are funny and fun to be around, and he's fun to fun to be around. Like, yeah. that's the reason why um, he was probably the most impactful part of Infinity War to me um, to, for the finger snap was yeah. that. Yeah. Because yeah. of Homecoming and because of his appearances in the other ones. I just think he's great. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. And then they had um, they had uh, Tony Stark in there. Yeah. And, and, uh, I thought it was great how they put it together. It was fun. And Happy Hogan. It. Happy Hogan is kind of the liaison yeah. for, for Spider-Man joining the Avengers. And right. Kind of and, annoyed by him. And, and I'm glad <laughs> that they did a reboot and they kind of glossed over the whole situation. Like, it was rebooted. And then, like, everybody knows that, like, they did a pretty good job of being like, people know this. We do not need to tell them for an hour why the spider bit and why his family is the way it is. Like, let's get through that. Go. And they did it fast, smooth, and got on with it. Mm -hmm. That was great. Yeah. Thank you. Nobody needed this for a third time. Yeah. And and I'm glad they didn't, or else I would have been just destroyed but yeah. i give that movie a lot of credit for that too yeah i should rewatch that i haven't seen it since i watched it the one time yeah it's a lot that'd probably be in my top five yeah and then another really fun one uh, i got number four uh, thor ragnarok sure sure i'm fine on it i don't fine love it. it like oh other people goodness. do it was funny i mean i like the Tycho itt is one of my favorite directors i liked him before that movie came out mm-hmm. um it's funny don't get me wrong but it's a, just a terrific adventure movie with a lot of great humor. And it kind of reminded me of the old, like, adventure movies from, like, the 80s. Yeah. You know. That, you can give me that. I got a kick out of that rock guy, too. See, I did not find the rock guy funny. <laughs> I think his name's Korg or something. Yeah, and that's, you know, he's voiced by the director. Yeah. I TD, yeah. I did not find the rock guy funny. Oh, my God. Did not. <laughs> thought it was too stupid. I was, me and my, I went with a friend, and me and him had a pretty big discussion about Thor Ragnarok, about, uh. Because he he bought he was bought hook line sinker mm-hmm. and he laughed a lot yes and I was like the first half I, and I mean Jeff Goldblum was oh yeah Jeff Goldblum gosh some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen was 
that. I, I mean, Jeff Goldblum was so funny. His first opening scene was just hilarious. You're raving about the movie. And yet I, I, mean, I, just, I just didn't, like, that was the first half. I thought the second half, I just kind of was, I was good with it. It's fine. It's definitely, Thor is also one of my least favorite characters. Well, they tried I don't have to an, reinvent him with this. And one. I don't have an interest in Thor. Yeah, I still don't. And that's just me as a person. I mean, you can't like, I don't like every single character and you, you know, in your head, you're going to prioritize who you like more. I just don't think that I didn't, I just don't think Thor is super interesting. Well, for me, it was just a great fun film. I loved it. Yeah, it's fun. My number three film is Deadpool. Another fun, fun movie. Yeah. A lot of fun. Um, Marvel does well with fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, um, Oh yeah. Deadpool is hilarious. Yeah. It's so funny. That movie, that is Deadpool. They did such a great job translating him from the comic. It's it's exactly who Deadpool is, and um, it was really funny. Um, just, I mean, just you don't even film. have to explain Deadpool. That's funny. right. Is you want to rated R? Rated R. Goofy yeah, comedy. I, I like, you can take anyone too. Like my wife would, who would not come to superhero movies at all. I like that they went rated R with it too. Oh, if they did, could you imagine? It would just be in a watered. Well, you see, there you see Deadpool. the day the PG thirteen versions coming out for oh. Christmas, right? Of Deadpool and Deadpool two. What? Yeah, they've already been real. They're already got announced and coming out on DVD. Ryan Reynolds has already reshot some scenes for him and everything. Yeah, really? Yeah, I didn't know they were doing that. Yeah, I just read it a couple Why? of weeks ago. Money. <laughs> uh, that's. I mean, that's like you know. My example was as some other people brought it up too. Um, uh. It doesn't matter if you make it PG-13, 10-year-olds are still going to watch the other one. Yeah. Like, I, I just love, what are you what are you getting at here? Like, yeah. everybody's already seen it. Yeah. Oh, my my 12-year-old Johnny, he ain't going to watch it. Lies. All wrong. <laughs> Completely. But yeah, no, Deadpool, super fun. Yeah. Can't dislike Deadpool. All right, my number two Marvel movie is um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy would probably be number two on my list, the first one. Yeah. James Gunn took a group of characters that uh, not the most popular characters. I remember when it was announced, I had no idea who they were. And I remember people, like everybody kind of going, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it helped Chris Pratt was the lead. But other than that, people were like, yeah. Yeah, James Gunn had a vision for those characters and uh, just he wrote them really well. And directed that movie really well, and they've kind of got their own their own flavor, I guess. In yeah, the Marvel universe. That's what I like. You know, I mean, I understand that you know everyone needs to be different. Some are more similar than others, and you know, Deadpool <coughs> kind of has his own shtick going too. Mm-hmm. But the Guardians have theirs, and it and it totally works. Yeah. Like they totally fit in. Where the whole point of Deadpool is, he doesn't fit in. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's his own. Where they fit in, but they still don't at the same time. Yeah. Like, cause they're just kind of goofy and they're all kind of stupid. Like besides, uh, um, Gamora, but... Chris Pratt's characters. Well, he is yeah. pretty <laughs> stupid. Drax can, has no social skills that sure. adds rat rocket is says whatever he thinks they're not. I mean, Gamora has to deal with a lot. Mm-hmm. How she's in, how she handles them is unbelievable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I remember I saw it in theater and I think that was the first, um, time that I watched a, a Marvel movie and was like, this is great stuff here. Yeah. Um, it was super, and I haven't watched it in a few years, but it's been a while, but I remember I have fond memories of coming out of a, 
then and again, I always people always think it's funny, but uh, and uh, you agree with me is that when you have a uh, have a movie, you know, a movie's supposed to create emotion, like whether it's good, happy, sad, bad, mad, whatever. Um, I love that feeling when I see something that I thoroughly enjoyed, and walk out of a movie theater and like with that little little feeling of like that was fun. Yeah, like, I enjoyed, and I remember I remember the theater I was at, and I remember coming out of Guardians going. That was a great time. Yeah. So fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, I remember that emotion. That's the reason why that movie sticks with me. And reasons why it could almost be my number one, just because of the general f- mushy feeling inside I had of just happiness. Yeah. just enjoyed it. All right. So number one. You got any guesses on what number one might be? Well, there's a lot out there to pick. So, I mean, obviously, the first Avengers is that you haven't said yet, or Infinity War. And you haven't said Iron Man. And so those are probably the three that you haven't said that are important enough, I would think. My so it's one, one of those three, right? My number be. one is going to be the, the movie that started the yeah. whole MCU. Iron Man. Iron Man, yeah. yeah. makes sense. Um, they, uh, first of all, nobody else could have played Tony Stark the way Robert Downey Jr. And again, another thing, when they announced, here's this huge thing. Here's a, a superhero that a lot of people don't know. Here's Tony Robert Downey Jr. And everybody was like, Welp, nobody's going to watch that. And little did they know, they created everything. Yeah. Um, it's a really, it's a fun movie. It's a great depiction of Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr.'s performance as Tony Stark. I, I don't want. So good. I don't want to see anyone else ever play Tony Stark. He, I know it will not be as good. <laughs> it just won't be. That's the reason yeah. why he makes four times more than anybody else in the movies because they're like, just, just come back, <laughs> please. Yeah, terrific film. Um, and then the film ends, and you've you've just had a great time watching a great movie, and then you sit through the credits, and you get the first. The first post-credits scene. I don't even remember. You have to enlighten me. Uh, Tony comes home. Somebody's broken into his house, and is is in the shadows over there. Oh and is, yeah. And is talking to him, and um, basically says, "I'm starting something that I'd like you to join, called the Avengers Initiative." Yeah, right. And he steps forward into the light, and there's Samuel L. Samuel Jackson, Jackson as Nick Fury. Right. And you're like, "Oh my God!" You, I mean. A great movie and a, just a great tag at the end of that movie, right. which sparked the whole MCU. Yeah, right. It's hard not to say Iron Man 1, mm-hmm. unless unless you're like... I think the one that on... And yeah, and I totally agree. Outside of, again, the final fight scene where it's versus bigger Iron Man. Um, I think the one movie that would be on my list would be the first Avengers. And the reason why is because you've seen that movie a million times. You get the band together to fight evil. That's been going on since the 40s. And how many more times can you watch that movie? Like, it's tough. I mean, I just rewatched, you know, like, was it last year, two years ago, they redid Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. And I, the whole time I'm like, oh, I, I, I can't do this formula anymore. This, I get it. The one guy has to find the six other people that are all so diverse and different that they must, they can't do it anymore. Like, that's such an old, tired storyline. Not in event, not the first Avengers. I think it's a perfect. There's the right amount of superheroes because now it's not so, um, and it's just get these group. Here's the common good. Let's see them together. And that first feeling of seeing it, mm-hmm. I've thought was a great feeling of watching everything work 
with Hulk, Captain America, Iron Man, and that. I just thought that was great. I was like, this is done so well that this is like this group of people, and you know, now it's it's huge now. It's that's why why the other ones just don't get me as much. Like Infinity War was fun, and I had a great time, and I'm not gonna say it's a bad movie. I love Infinity War. So do I. But you know, it's just. It's just more people adding more stuff to more. That's the reason why the first one to me always is is going to be better. I think you know I obviously can't predict the future, but uh, just because it was like the you know it's like Iron Man. It's like the first time, even though it necessarily probably wasn't, but it was the first time in this where they're like, oh, here's like five really important superheroes. Let's see them together. Now it's here's twenty million. Let's throw them into a movie. Make the movie four hours long and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, but Infinity War was made for. I mean Thanos more than anything, which is why Infinity yeah. War works. If yeah. it was made the opposite, reason why Avengers Two is easily one of the lowest on my list is because they literally just kind of kept doing the same thing, and they're like, "Let's just bring more, and we'll just keep doing it." And I'm like, "Ugh, I got that in the first one; it was fun." That's the reason why Infinity War the third one works is because it's more about the, the the evil yeah. than the, than the group. But yeah. without that, you wouldn't have had that. Without the group, you wouldn't have had the gut punch at the end, though. Yeah, you wouldn't have. So I get it. But yeah, that, that I, I love, the I one love Infinity War. Actually, that should have probably been on this list. Somewhere I'm surprised too, by the lack of Infinity War. I forgot to put the. Infinity I would War. say if I did top ten, the only ones off. Like again, I wouldn't put an X Men on mine. Um, I would add Avengers, and I would add Avengers Infinity War. Um, and then I think outside of that, I'm not sure because I would have Winter Soldier. I would have Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have a Thor. I, I might have Ragnarok lower on my list. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have any of the Ant Man's or uh, Ant Man's were fun. Yeah, but not they're 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 fine. not top ten material, but no, they're, they're enjoyable. Sure, yeah, yeah they're, they're they're and they're not. Well, I don't think anybody makes Ant Man. I don't think they make Ant Man to make to make people think like this is the best. Mm-hmm. I think they they it's a nice throw in. Mm-hmm. And but I am ready, and I, my expectations are so high for Captain Marvel. Oh, I got to be great. Somebody's gonna bring me down because I'm going in shooting <laughs> high because I want it to be great. I think it's gonna be. I I think so too. I love the way that they sort of tease the character at the end of... And I love Brie Larson. Yeah. And I love... I don't know even anything really about Captain Marvel. Like, at all. But... Neither do I, to be honest. So excited. But the way that they teased her at the end of um, Infinity War was a great... Great. great buildup. I mean... Yeah. And the people got it. Even I didn't. Again, I'm a pretty uh, basic mm-hmm. superhero. Even I saw that and I was like, yes! Yeah. Bring me Captain Marvel. Because well, it's good. Because, you know, you, kinda, you had this crazy moment where everybody had a bad time. The, whether you got snapped or not. If the, world, if, the world was basically crumbling. But there's one person. They made it so infamous. Basically one call. Right. And he calls her, so you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, she is going to destroy. Because you're just like, because, I mean, that's what they did. Even the people that are still alive, or whatever you want to call it, you know, they still had a really rough go there. Mm-hmm. And so he makes that call, and that automatically puts her number one. Yeah. Like, just by making a call. Right. That you're like, well, this person is yep. so important. Yep. That that's what Nick Fury. And so she's already built up to yep. this exactly. stage without doing anything. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, it's perfect. So she's going to come in, and she's going to destroy and I can't wait. Yep. Same here. Excited. So that was good. That was good tribute. I appreciate it to Stanley. Mm-hmm. Do you have any last any last words for the for your one of your probably heroes? I would assume. Just that uh, you know his his spirit and uh, the work that he's done will live on forever. Uh, oh he, yeah. He may oh, be I mean, gone, but it. um, you know he's inspired so many people already with these characters and um, 
they'll just these characters will will live on and carry a spirit forever. I wonder how many cameos he has in the bag. You assume a couple. I heard they filmed some some. You would think they have yeah. a few. You think they have Captain Marvel's done? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You'd assume that probably even Avengers has one, has one ready. It'll be well, interesting. No to see. offense with computer animation now. Doesn't mean it's going to stop. Well, that's true too. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. I think that would be in bad taste, though. Uh, no, you would think that. I don't. I mean, I thought it would be in bad taste if uh, uh, Carrie Fisher was computer generated for half of a movie, but apparently that was totally okay. If, Same with Philip Seymour Hoffman. I thought if you if you let some time pass, like Carrie Fisher was quick. Was yeah. Like she she died and bam, that movie was out, and you're just like oof. I would say that if like. I mean, if, if you were to do a movie today and you were to stick in a cameo from, let's say, Humphrey Bogart, I don't think that would be in bad taste because he's from another another time period. You know right. what I'm saying? But a cameo is different than a full role. But if you were to... I mean, Carrie Fisher's supposed to be in the next, was supposed to be in the next Star Wars, and she didn't film the scene for that. No. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. See, I don't know. I mean, same I with Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Last Hunger Games. He didn't film a scene for that movie. I don't like that too much. I don't either. It's weird. Yeah. That's weird, but if the state allows it. Yeah, to keep making them to to keep making them after their death, I think is I, I don't like that. But if it's one like I say, it's one thing if you were to pull somebody from, from generations past as kind of a homage as if to say So thirty years from now when Iron Man twenty four comes out. Right. And they throw Stanley Right, there, as like a as like an homage to hey, remember this guy. That's a little different than pretending like he's still. I don't know, life. man. It's it's a weird world we live in now that I've seen it happen already. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll what see. They, I hope they. I I hope that they'll use whatever cameos they filmed, and I hope that that'll that'll be that. Yeah, to be honest with you. I hope it's so. But yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, well, we'll find out. So that segues into the other big director that we're going to chit chat about uh, this week. Little homage to is Orson Welles mm -hmm. because Netflix just dropped the the big uh, movie, the lost Orson Welles movie from forty years ago, with a documentary to follow. Mm -hmm. So you can see that's already been bogged down in Netflix analytics. I've seen, which is good um, because you know Netflix cares so much about everything. I already been because I, I always pay attention. That? I always pay attention to Netflix when they have a new movie out, like because you know the way it trends on there is just like Facebook. It shows up and you see where it is on new releases and stuff, and it'll be there. And I always like to see how long they last in that space. Mm -hmm. I, I, I checked last night; pretty much already gone, and they already have a whole new batch up of like new. That's how crazy Netflix originals are becoming, like with what they buy and what they distribute. It's it's kind of nuts. So when did? You're, are you talking about the documentary? Both. Both of them. Because they, they both on. dropped on the same day. It was like November 2nd. So okay, what, so the, 11 days ago? So the, the Orson Welles film, which was never finished, it was the film he was working on when he died, yep. which is called um, The Other Side of the Wind. Yep. And then also a documentary about the making of The Other Side of the Wind, which is titled They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. Right. Those both came out on Netflix on the same day. What? How long ago was that? About a week and a half ago. And you're saying there, there's you pretty much have to search for to find them. Okay. Yeah, and, which is fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I always just love that. So that's one of my things. I like to notice how long stuff actually stays queued up on Netflix to mm -hmm. watch. It's just a thing I like to watch. But um, so yeah, so pretty much what John and I said again. Um, they'll love me when I'm dead. It's a documentary that you probably should just watch first, or maybe only. 
Yeah. Um, because the, the documentary is very interesting. Yeah. It's pretty much just, and it really skims over the first, pretty much just gets to his late life. Because the documentary is about him making this movie. Mm-hmm. So at this point, he's fat, old, not really popular amongst Hollywood because nobody wants him to make movies anymore because he made some bad stuff in there. And once you start making bad movies, nobody gives you money to make new movies. Right. So then he creates this movie um, called The Other Side of the Wind. Mm-hmm. And he says it's not about him when it blatantly is. Yeah. So, and what is that movie about? Well, basically, the the other side of the wind is, um, it's kind of a chaotic mess of different clips that are supposed to be clips of a Hollywood director who's on the last day of his life. Yep. And. It's as if you're watching um, footage that was shot by different people that happened to be around this director. And then somebody went and stitched all that footage together right. to kind of paint a picture of this Hollywood director on the last day of his life. And there's really no narrative as far as I could tell. Not really. It's telling like pretty much three different, especially the first half. There's a definite rough narrative there of the direct, like you pretty much just said. And then there's that other side story of the leading actor watching the movie, the art movie, which is kind of funny because I can only imagine what that really is like when you sit, uh, when you have to screen an art tour, like art, that's the, uh, the girl that's just walking in the guy. Nobody knows why, like that's never explained the movie that they're showing to the, you know, the producers talking yeah. to them. A lot of it just didn't make sense. Well, and that totally makes sense. Like in a way, because, how many, if I've watched enough art movies to know, I've seen art movies practically similar to that, that you go, what's going on here and what is the director thinking? And that's kind of the point they're getting across there is what's going on here and what's the director thinking, which coincides with the movie. The second half of the movie I finally did watch, because I had to split it up because it is an incoherent mess, um, is like a party that's shot, which you know because you watched the documentary. That is a lot more coherent than the first half. Okay. And at that point you get what's going on. Like, okay. but so like the movie itself, unless you're like a Orson Welles fan, you like the seventies or like history of film. That's really what it's out there for. It, it's out there for to be studied as a period piece of this man, really. So if and that it, does not interest you, which it will not interest he, you. Well, he was, he was trying something kind of new, I think by, right. by in a way it's like, it's almost like a found footage film because you're not watching a movie by Orson Welles, you're watching, in theory, you're, you're supposedly watching footage that was shot by various characters within the film and has been stitched together as if it were a documentary. Right. So it's it's almost like the first found footage film. Kind of, in a way. Kinda, in a way. And they, they talk about that in the doc, too. Yeah. Like, the way this was shot was really different. Yeah, he was kind of breaking ground, and I do appreciate a filmmaker trying something new. But the only thing is there was, it was chaos. So when you watch the doc, you learn that you, you know, it's interesting to learn about Orson Welles a little bit more. um, Cause this is the Orson Welles. Everybody knows is the fat, grumpy Orson Welles. And I like the old footage of the guy. He looks like a different person 30 years before. I mean, he's a Mm -hmm. young, good looking guy. You almost can't even tell it's him. And then he gets so depressed and bloats up. Mm -hmm. But when he makes this movie, um, you know, he's kind of doing it off a whim. I mean, he's been making it for years. I mean, I think he started in 75. He died in 85 and he was, you know, was still getting made because there's that one point where the main actor, uh, one of the guys they brought in goes, uh, talks to like what the cameraman goes, uh, 
oh yeah, I've been working on this movie for like four years. He's like, what? You've been working on this movie for four years? What's and the guy is like, they're making no money. Yeah. And it's so that's interesting. You know, it's it's interesting to see and the narrative that they put at the end that I thought was 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 interesting to hear was he's a guy who likes to make movies but not finish them. I thought that was interesting. And I can understand that. If if you're a movie and you, you did Citizen Kane, which some people say is the greatest movie of all time, that made you a legend. And then you can't repeat mm-hmm. and you continuously get beaten up and beaten down, but you love movie making so much. I can understand why. Like mm-hmm. it, it's great. He loves you can tell he loves doing it. And then it comes to the to the part where you have to show it to the world. Mm-hmm. And he's afraid that people are gonna hate it. I mean, that's a tough that's probably a tough pill to swallow. I mean, that's not a great, especially if you're especially if you're a guy like that's a you know a famous person. Yeah, they said that he shot over a hundred hours of footage for the, the and that's just and, and once you like see some of the footage because they did a good job of showing like because there's so much footage to show that they showed you know back you know post reels footage of like him complaining to the cameraman to move faster and you can see why it, he shot so much because mm-hmm. he he was complaining about so many things all the time about this movie. So the documentary itself is, I thought was very interesting. Yeah. And that when he gets the AFI award at the end and uh, he pretty much asks for money, that is one sad moment mm-hmm. right there. When he pretty much, he accepts this award. He's very gracious and generous. He gets the AFI award. You know, they're famous for the one American film Institute with the top 100. And then <laughs> pretty much at the end says he has no money to finish this movie and still doesn't get any. Ooh. <laughs> That is, that's fallen from grace right there. Yeah. I mean, and it, I'm sure his personality didn't help either. I mean, the the last scene is pretty, pretty interesting that, you know, they have that, it's an interview of Orson and he, mm-hmm. he laughs yeah. and he's super joyful and like, mm-hmm. and they, they talk to a few of his friends that are still alive and they're like, he never was like that. So it's nice right. to see him laugh. Like it's nice to have a memory of him. Laugh. So, you know, I can understand, but it's the documentary is very interesting. Yeah, definitely. It, it very, um, it very much is. And yeah. the movie is not, no, it's not, you could probably watch 15 minutes just to get the gist. Right. Just to be like, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I get the chaos. I get why it's happening, you know, but yeah, like I said, it was kind of interesting that he was trying to kind of break new ground with that film. And, um, but the documentary is, is really good. And, um, it gives the the film context, and it was just an interesting, an interesting look at the making of a very bad film. Yeah, but um, but yeah, you know, and I, you know, and again, I listen to a lot of a uh, movie critic based podcasts, and they, you know, a lot of the ones that have degrees in film, they like the movie, but I'm sure they, it's all context, and yeah. that's why. Yeah, you know, I can see if you're a film tour and you see this, and you see, and you know Orson Welles, and you know about his work, and you watch it, you get it, right? You know, but if you're just watching it cold. And it's bad. You, it's bad. It yeah. really is. I mean, but but in context, all that's great stuff. It's fine. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna end with one more DVD since we kind of got thrown for a loop with the Stanley thing. We wanted to throw that in there. We got one more DVD that came out, um, which was Nicolas Cage's new movie Mandy. Yep. Um, got a lot of press. I think it got it played at one of the film festivals uh, in the spring, which is when I first heard about it. And I saw the iconic picture, which I think if you're on Facebook, they did a ton of Facebook marketing on this movie. Is, is that how you knew about it? Um, I think I just heard people talk oh, about it. Oh, okay. Because I knew about it. Like I knew that it was played at a film festival. I think it was one of the opening night ones. I don't know what film festival it was. Um, and it got just this crazy amount of reviews. Like like this amazing Nicholas Cage. And then that famous, that now well, famous quote-unquote movie uh, of his face just bloody. 
Right. That I saw on Facebook constantly. I've seen that reproduced. A lot. So I was like, they did a good marketing scheme on this movie. So since you just watched it, I'll let you, because I watched it a couple months ago on demand. So I'll let you do the rundown of the point of the movie, just because you'll have it fresh in your mind. Well, basically, uh, Nicolas Cage plays this guy. He's like a... He, he's like a lumberjack or something. He cuts down trees or something. And he lives kind of out in the woods with his girlfriend or wife or whatever. Something like that. And um, they're in love, and that's the first 40 minutes of the film. Yep. Um, this religious cult finds her, kidnaps her, drugs her, tries to make her part of their cult, um, she rejects that and yep. they, they kill her. They kill her. That's and it, the second act of the movie right there. Yeah. And it turns into a revenge film. It's Nicolas yep. Cage. Um, it's literally split in threes. First mm-hmm. part, love story, middle part, cult story, third part, revenge. Yeah. That's the movie. And, um, and let's, you're making it seem very basic. It let's is. throw it out there. I mean, the movies, the story is basic. The story is. The, the way the movie is, yes. is not. The, the visual, so, yeah, the visuals it's of the It's a film, visual trip. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's shot like, um, it almost, the film, the, the film was kind of grainy. It looked like something from the 70s. Yeah, with like a red tone the whole time. Yeah. Like there's an overtone of red constant mm-hmm. it reminded me of the opposite of shape of water that movie had a green and blue tone the whole time mm-hmm. this movie it's just red <laughs> like every scene is red mm-hmm. which is definitely po- a point of the movie yeah it's, and let's also say the cult is completely out there like there's like oh, yeah. the bad guy bounty hunters that have like spikes and they don't even like monsters practically that i mean this movie doesn't if you really think there's parts of it that are Man, if you just do a lot of drugs and watch this movie, you'd have a heck of a time. You're not the first person that I've heard say that if you watch this movie on drugs, it's pretty good or whatever. But oh, I, I don't, I don't do drugs. I'm saying if you did, I could see you going. Right. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot going on here, which is it, a point. It feels like kind of a druggy kind of movie. Yeah, it's an it's a definite art house film. I mean, it's it, that is an art house film to a T, as Mandy. Yeah, it's very slow paced. Very. Um, I thought it was excruciatingly slow. Paced. It is a slog. Um, I, you know, I mentioned the first forty minutes uh, are just the two of them in love. I'm not exaggerating that. I I was getting like antsy, like I was just wanting something to happen. Right. Just you know. But it makes the revenge better. In theory, I think that's what the filmmaker thought. That the more time we spend with these two, the more the greater the sense of loss will be. Right. Um, for me, it was just, it was painfully slow paced. There wasn't a lot of story there. Um, I thought the visuals were very strong and, um, the guy that made it, I think he definitely shows that he's a talented director. Um, but there's just, for me, not much of a script. There's not supposed to be. Well, I like a script. See, okay. So Mandy falls when it comes to a story more on my side of the aisle. I don't mind watching a, I've watched movies where it's two people in love for two hours. I have no problem with that. I don't mind it. Um, the only thing about it is, is yeah, they're in love, but they're both very weird and they both have a very weird, I mean, he's weird. He doesn't say anything. So it's hard to get a connection of two people that just kind of hang out. 
I guess this well, is what I remember. I this, it it's also been a couple visuals. hours. And just their physical energy. Of course. And they are they are physical, I was just going to say, mm-hmm. um, which is good. I want to look up the director and see if he's done anything else. He's done one other film. Panos Cos- Cosmatos? I don't even know how to say it. Um, I feel like I know that um, he, he did uh, Oh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. I didn't see that, but I, I know of that. Yeah, you seen Beyond the Black Rainbow? I've not seen it. I've never heard of it. I've heard it's pretty. And, and I've so. heard it's out there as well. Yeah. Um, from what I heard. But, so I don't mind that. And I, I, again, I'm. I told you already. I'm a sucker for cult movies. So this the cult part in the middle. I was interested in as crazy as it was, and it. And by that point, but the movie is again, and I agree. Movies like this, I'm fine with. I can watch a two hour movie that's slow with minimal to it. But not everyone. And this movie was. Sl- uh, like it's a slog. I mean, what'd you say his last name was? Oh, I guess just Cos- Cosmatos. Cosmatos. So his dad was George Cosmatos, Cosmatos, who is um a director who did um one of the Rambo movies. Okay, and uh, I think he did a couple other films you might know, but I can't think of what they sure. are right now. Okay, um, so this is. This is his son, and I believe, I believe the guy that made Mandy. He did Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Yeah, the guy that made Mandy. Oh, he did Tombstone. Okay, there you go. So this is his son that made Mandy, and the guy that made Mandy, uh, whose name I'm I'm never going to be able to pronounce or whatever, but um, he started off as a cameraman. And yeah, I I read that. Makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And again, for me, this. This film was a great example that he he knows his way around a camera. He he's a very strong director. There was a lot of really strong visuals in this film, but there just isn't a story. I've literally told you the whole story in yeah, well, that's in the, three sentences. That's the story. Yeah, that's fine. It's a revenge film. Um, I mean, most revenge films don't have that much of a story anyway. I mean, no. it has a so Mandy has a six point seven on IMDb, a ninety two on Rotten Tomatoes, and an eighty one on Metacritic. Yeah. So I mean, it's very popular. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I also think this, I think a few parts about it is, is, uh, you know, people that watch movies like this are going to like the violence. If you like violence, cause it's extraordinarily violent in the last third of the movie. Um, so, you know, there's people that that's, that's their bag. That's all they care about when they watch a movie. If they, if they know it's going to be bloody and violent, if they get that, they are, they have succeeded. That's fine. I also think it's that movie that people, when it got blown up was Nick Cage finally made something good. And people have an affection for Nicolas Cage. And I and he's done it himself. Because he was a good kind of actor in the 90s. Got super famous. And then put out trash for years. But people didn't really care. Because they still just like the guy. And now that he's hit this point of legendary status in the world of filmmaking. He does this weird art movie. Where he's just this violent guy. Going on a revenge for against his wife. I think people just like it, you know? I mean, really. For me, he seemed out of place in this movie. Really? Everyone else that was in it, I think they were relatively unknowns. I didn't right. recognize sure. anyone else that was sure. in it. And the way, um, you know, the, the fact that the footage was this old kind of grainy footage, it almost looked like it was a movie made back in the 70s. I would have actually been able to believe that this was a movie made in the 70s, except for right there in the center is Nicolas Cage. He... Yeah, who when I watched the movie, I was seeing Nicholas Cage. Cage. So was I. You're right. So I think this but movie a movie without Nicholas Cage, this movie would not have been made or not been seen by anyone. 
Well, it might have been a better film, though. But doesn't mean. But so the movie was so the budget for the movie was six million dollars. Yeah. How much do you think of that went to Nicolas Cage? Five million. I would say at least <laughs> half went to Nick Cage, and that's proof because if if Nick Cage wasn't in it, nobody sees it. Because it was sold as here's Nick Cage in this crazy movie, yeah, and and again it's it's the affection for an actor that still is there, especially a guy like him. And I, I, his how how is he stayed? We could do a whole episode. We'll do an, an episode in the future of Nick Cage because he has had quite an odd go at it, right? People like yeah. him. Do you? I mean, as a like, do you actually think of Nick Cage and go, oh gosh, he's just a the worst. Get him out of here. Like I don't know. Like it's fine. Like he seems like a good dude. He's odd. Makes made some good movies in there. Made tons of trash that nobody's seen. I think that he has the ability to memorize lines and say them. Well, I never. Camera. Nobody. Nobody would say that he's a great actor. I mean, I, he I mean, plays Nicolas Cage. Sure, but it took him a while to get to being Nicolas Cage. Like you know, I mean, him in like Fear and Loathing. You know, I mean, nobody knows him there. Fear and love. Or, I mean, Raising Arizona, sorry. Oh. Um, or, and, like, even, like, at the like in the middle, mid-90s, you know, he was The Rock, in The Rock, and, you know, he was Nick Cage famous, but he wasn't, he wasn't iconic yet. Because he is an iconic symbol now, whether he's good or not. He's... I mean, Steven Seagal's an iconic symbol, too, and he's, like, the worst actor maybe ever. I think Nicolas Cage is an icon because he's been around so long now. Oh, that helps. Of course. It's just... Everyone knows who he is at this point. But he's made good movies in there. Couple. Couple. Well. I mean, probably half dozen. Uh, yeah. A couple. I mean, he's made like a thousand movies. I, well, a I mean, that's the thing. Is in the, in the 2000s when, you know, straight to DVD became the thing. How many straight to DVD movies did that guy sign uh, on for to take that check? Any any movie that Nick Nicolas Cage has done, I think that you could have made the same movie with a different actor and it would have been just as good. I don't think there's a movie that's been made... That was good because Nicholas Cage Nicolas was Cage? in it. Um, not sure about that. I really defend him in The Rock. I really think that that's maybe his best at him being Nicholas Cage. I think you could have made that movie with. with I don't know. I think he star. is great in it, uh, and he's not really an action star in that movie because he's kind of the bumbling scientific buffoon. I thought he was playing Nick Cage again. Well, nah, but but that's what made him famous is playing Nick Cage. Denzel Washington plays Denzel every time. People love it. Well, we're not talking about Denzel. I'm just we're saying, I, I watch Denzel the same way. But Denzel's obviously a better actor. But I think Denzel's the same way. No matter if he tells me he's JFK or JFK, MLK or not, or I think Malcolm X, I'm like, you're still Denzel. I'm sorry to say. Did you ever see John Q? John Q? I don't think so, I did. Yeah, he shows some real emotion in that one. Who? Denzel. Denzel. Oh, I mean, did you see Fences that came out a year or two ago? No. That was the big award one that he won for. He was emotion that, and the whole time I'm like, I, I see you. I know you're great at what you do. You're still Denzel Washington, and I can't stop looking at you because you're Denzel. But, I mean, Nicolas Cage is the same way. I mean, could right. he ever not just be Nick Cage? I don't think it's possible. Well, and, but to, this be movie good, is, to be this a good actor is somebody that can kind of get into different roles, and right. sometimes you feel like, man, I didn't even know that was who that was when I was watching the movie. Well, and, but that was the big part about Mandy. Was the big thing was it's Nick Cage as a comeback. Like here he is. I thought he was playing Nick Cage again. I mean, I could have just a toned I down version of Nick Cage because he doesn't really have to be Nick Cage. I could have taken somebody else in this movie. Um, I heard 
a few people refer to this movie as almost like a rock and roll revenge so, flick. So here we go. So, not to interrupt. So I listened to a podcast that I, I like um, called Linoleum Knife. They're two film critics. Uh, and I'm into heavy, like, death metal music. And I heard a great allegory by one of them who's into doom metal music and black metal music like I am. It plays like a doom metal movie. Not even rock and roll. I don't what know where people... Metal? So doom metal is extremely slow, melodic, and long. Like that. When If you go to a doom metal show, you'll watch four guys on stage bang their heads really slow, play really toned down electric guitars and drums, and they'll play 15 minute long songs under like a red hume of light and smoke. Like bands like Sun O and like Wolves in the Throne Room and these bands. That is exactly, when I heard that example, I'm like, because people were saying rock and roll to me too, and I watched Mandy, I was like, there's nothing rock and roll about this. But no, Doom but Metal, if you if you listen, just Google a Doom Metal song, this is the movie. And you're like, oh my gosh, it is. And now ever since I heard that, I'm like, this is a Doom Metal movie. And if you and Doom Metal is an extremely limited genre that like it. Mm-hmm. And I don't even, I'm not even a huge Doom Metal fan. Um, but there's a group of people that will go to watch Half of it just being noise strung out over a long period of time. That's kind of Mandy. It's all. How long... many of them are on drugs at these shows? It depends. I go to them. I'm not on drugs. All right. Well, I. Um, oh, but I assume a, a good half. <laughs> Mandy opens with a title card that has a quote about rock and roll, and I've heard people. But it's not rock and roll. No, that's, it's just not because I heard that too. And when somebody, and again, when I finally heard that i'm like that's much more correct yeah. than rock, rock and roll that is not the definition for I me have. it was it was easy listening instead of rock and roll. yeah right exactly very slow very soft um very quiet movie i think yeah. when i was watching it with a friend of mine he actually he actually asked me to turn the volume up on the tv when we were watching it because very soft very quiet yeah. very slow but listen to the conversation we've had about it we've talked about like 20 minutes about this movie. Cause it is, even though it's a slog and stuff, it is interesting to look at visual. Yes. Visually. It's interesting. There I, is, I've said, and it if has you like visuals. some decent violence, you're going to get it. What I think that, and you like, I like movies that are also dirty. I like grimy movies that make you feel dirty. I was dirty in this. Like, I think if you gross. cut, I think if you cut this movie down, you could make an excellent music it video. Was it was two hours. That was not needed. Right. Like, they could have drawn it to about a nice 85 minutes. That would have been a quick go-through. I say know? five minutes. <laughs> nice and tight. And lay it over a metal song, and it could have been a cool music Totally. Video. Yeah, exactly. You're totally right. There's a part in the movie where he makes this, like, metal, like, scythe weapon. Yeah, which is ridiculous. <laughs> right. It didn't make sense that he would have this mold for this weird weapon. So weird. So, but, but again, that's where me, you get into the part of the movie where it's just outlandish. Yeah, to me, it was just it was just an example of what this movie was. It was the director going, it might not make sense, but it looks cool. Right. He's a, he, he's a good cameraman. Sure. There's a lot of strong visuals in the movie, I'll give it that, but there's just no story. Right. I Certainly not agree. a two-hour long story. Not a two-hour long story at all. I agree. But, so that's it. I think we can cut her there. We'll come back next week bunch of movie reviews next week we'll have a big docket list for uh, everyone since we have a few more that we need to talk about i'm sure we'll both watch an abundance of other things this week and text each other about them and see what we want to chat about sure we gotta hit galveston because we did a request for that now it's on demand we should be able to get it we'll be able to watch that 
Um, and then we'll see some other ones there too. Like us on Facebook, Hollywood Haymaker. You gotta find us there. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, where else? Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in. Tune in. Find us all there. Like, share. All those things are always fun. Comment. That uh, helps us out. Little tiny things like that. Easy stuff. Follow us on SoundCloud too. I guess we see we got some new followers too, so we appreciate it. Yeah, and write to us on Facebook. Let us know what you think of the show, what yep. you like, what you don't like, what you want to see different. Yeah, and we can always take requests like we just said. We, we send us a message. That's it. But thanks for listening. This was fun. Hey, so-